morning, saints. Good morning, sinners. It's a blessed thing to have a Lord and Savior who is full of grace and truth. Amen? Well, it's neat to have a song leader who knows the words so well that he doesn't have to keep up with them on the, on the slides. You lost me there a couple times. Well, we continue. Uh, it's not a sermon series. I really... I'm falling into this just by the leading of the Spirit to talk about faith. And faith has really been on my mind lately and the journeys of faith. Um, today's story is about uh, faith and our journey of faith and, and building a mature life. Uh, it's based upon a book called Hind's Feet on High Places. Uh, it was uh, written by Hannah uh, Haynard. Uh, and uh, it's really about building a mature faith, but it's really also about the enemies of faith. And I really appreciate your reading this morning because a lot of times uh, we get this idea that the enemy of faith are people. And it's not, is it? It's evil. It's evil that is our enemy. And I greatly appreciate your reading this morning, Clark. Um, the modern parable uh, of hinds feet in high places is taken from Habakkuk 3 and 19. It says, The Lord God is my strength, and he will make my feet like hinds feet, and he will make me walk upon thy high places. It's a story of everyone's life. You see, hinds feet are the back legs of deer or, or mountain goats that, that allow them to run up the side of mountains. Inside your bulletin, you've got a picture of a, of a mountain uh, goat standing on this precipice that would be impossible to stand on with these legs. The metaphor here is that we will be able to run without abandonment into those high places that would be otherwise unreachable without hinds feet. It's about allowing God through our faith to change us spiritually and that we might reach these new spiritual high places regardless of circumstances. It's a modern parable about letting God change you through the most difficult times and equip you for God for every good work God has set before you. James, the brother of Christ, said, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full and complete, and be complete, lacking in nothing. James is trying to tell you that through our faith, we are going to be changed spiritually through these tough and trying times that we might reach full maturity, that we will be lacking in nothing. But most importantly, as you look at this scripture and as we walk through this, this modern parable that was written back in 1955, I want, you, I want you to realize where the strength comes from. Who will be taking you to these high places? I can relax a little bit, Jack, because it's not about Keith. It's about his strength. 
It's about what he does for me and where he leads me. And he gives me these hinds feet, these feet of deer, so I might easily scale the difficult circumstances. Well, before we can get into the story, uh, which we're only going to cover half today, if, you're, if you've ever read the book and you know it's like 200 pages, you're thinking, wow, how is he going to get through this in one sermon? The good news is I'm not. We're going to split it into two different sermons. Uh, but we need to talk about the character so we can just roll right through the story. So let me introduce the main characters to you. First is the, the main character, uh, which goes throughout the story, and her name is Much Afraid. And Much Afraid has a twisted mouth, and her speech is slurred. And Much Afraid ha- ha- has, has crippled feet, and they're turned in, and they're kind of unsightly and ugly also. She lives in the great valley of humiliation in the small village of much trembling. She is forever and painfully aware of her imperfections, her falling down and stumbling feet constantly embarrass her. Those lingering stares at her mouth and the turns of heads when she speaks have begun to define her and who she is. Well, we move on. There's more characters here, like she's an orphan, and the woman who has raised her, well, she's Miss Dismal Forebodings. Woof! She's a fatalist. She's always depressed, and quite honestly, she depresses everyone around her with a face like that. And then living in the house with her is her, her, her first cousin's cousin Gloomy, such a pessimist. She never has a moment of joy. Have you ever seen her looking back at you in the mirror? And then she has her sister, spiteful. Whew. Spiteful never stops being ugly to everyone. And it's everybody's fault. If anything goes wrong, never spiteful. You've seen her in the mirror lately? Both gloomy and spiteful, though, they have a brother who's worse than all of them put together. His name is Craven Fear Jr. Craven Fear Jr. is a bully. His lack of self-control and his ability to intimidate people was second to none. If you couldn't convince Craven Fear with his fear, then he would convince you that you just couldn't do without it. And then there's the neighbor across the street, Pride. I tried to find a black and white picture of Pride, but he threatened every outlet that if he was not shown in his full living color, he would sue them. But oh, everybody knows Pride is narcissistic, but he's incredibly persuasive. He's so incredibly persuasive, it's hard It's hard not to listen to pride and follow his seductive rationalizations. And then there's coward fearling. Everybody in this village are called fearlings, but coward fearling, that's his last name. He embraces it. 
He has no real discernible abilities except he stops all acts of nobility. And then there's misresentment. She has absolutely no initiative. She's always living in the past. Have you ever seen her before? Sometimes I can see her staring back at me through the plate glass windows as I walk through downtown. How about Mr. Bitterness? Mr. Bitterness has the worst victim mentality that you've ever seen in your life. And he lives in constant conflict with everyone around him. And then there is self-pity. Quite honestly, he's a liar. He's always lying and stealing people's potential away from them, taking away who they can become, who they can be. Ever see him staring back at you from a window? From a mirror? Well, those are the characters. I hope you have that little outline filled out so you can keep up with them and remember what their problems are. Most importantly, though, as we work through the story, I want you to remember that it is God who is giving the strength. It is the good shepherd that gives the strength and lifts us to the high places. Our story starts off with much afraid, working for the great shepherd. Under his employment, uh, she admired him, uh, but she lived around all the fearlings there in the valley who hated the shepherd. One day, the family of fearlings all got together and they came to much afraid and they told much afraid, you are going to marry and we've decided you're going to marry Craven fear. She was outraged. She was hurt. She hated the idea of being married to craven fear. So she, helped, she sought the help of the good shepherd who invited her to live and come live in the high places where fear could not live. He reminded her that perfect love cast out fear. And if she would move into the high places, fear could never reach her again. He would, she would never have to look craven fear in the face. So they made a pact right there that she would do as the shepherd asked. And she would follow the path into the high country, to those high places with him. The shepherd explained that if she were to make the trip... He must plant true love in her heart. She accepts until he opens his hand, and the seed of true love looks more like a thorn than it does a seed. But he assures her that while it may hurt a little, this true love will grow in her heart if she will just accept it, and she does, and he presses the seed of true love in her heart. And at that moment, it stung, but David, it began to feel good and warm and grow. Well, 
craven fear then finds her walking home that day. He, he runs up to her and, and he gives her a little pinch and starts to tell her about the marriage and how he's really looking forward to it. And she starts listening to it, but then she remembered a promise of the shepherd. If you'll just call upon my name, if you'll just call upon the name of the good shepherd, he'll come running and save you. And so she does. He comes, and just the look of the shepherd's face causes craven fear to run off in a panic. Craven fear then goes home, and much afraid goes home. But to her surprise, there are people in her house. All of her family of fearlings is there. And they tried to convince her that she will have to marry craven fear. She longs for the shepherd to call her away. She's ready for the shepherd to come by and take her away from all this. But she's a little overwhelmed as she listens to all of her fearlings as they tell her that she has to be married to craven fear. The shepherd comes by the house and he starts to sing a song and call her name so she can go with him. But she's listened to them too long and now her cousin, coward, has his heavy hand over her mouth and she can't speak matter of fact she couldn't even catch her breath and so she faints right there finally with the help of a friend across the street her name was valiant all the fearlings are run out of the house the next morning she remembers the words of the good shepherd I give you a spirit not of fear but of power of love and self-control much of uh, fear, not much afraid. I have overcome everything in this world so you can be with me. Well, that morning, very early, she ran to find the good shepherd. He asked why she hadn't come when, she originally, when he original call, originally called her. And she said she told him that they were in his that they were in her house and that Coward had her hand over her mouth and she was listening to all the fearlings. Then he advised her, don't listen to the fearlings. Don't listen to your cousins because the more you listen to them, the more power they have over you. And then the screen went dark. Immediately, they started on their journey to the high places, and the good shepherd introduced her to her new guides, two new guides, two new companions to go on the journey of faith with her. And at first, she recoiled. She couldn't believe it because the good shepherd introduced her to sorrow and suffering. She panicked. She sat down right there and began to throw a fit. How could he ask her 
to go with sorrow and suffering? Why not joy and peace as companions? Why sorrow and suffering? You told me we're going to the high places. You told me things were going to be grand when we got to the high places. And here you're trying to make me have these two companions and these two guides suffering and sorrow. He then reminded her that after you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in the high places will restore you, will confirm you, will strengthen you, and establish you as citizens of the high places. The shepherd told her, you're never more aware of love than when you were in the presence of suffering and sorrow. No two better guides exist in life through this journey than suffering and sorrow. To build your maturity, to build your completeness, you must have these two guides in your life. Trust me, much afraid, because I have your best interests at heart. With that, much afraid, took off with her two guides, suffering and sorrow. And with that, she bent over, picked up a rock to remember that suffering and sorrow were good people to journey with. Well, it wasn't long, along that path that they were walking comes pride. Good-looking guy, dressed nice. You see, the fearlings back in the Valley of Humiliation, they had found out that Much Afraid was going to the high country. What an embarrassment for them to be following that their cousin, Much Afraid, was following the good shepherd. So they employed one of the most powerful, persuasive people that they could find, pride. And here he came up the path, dark, handsome, well-dressed. Pride sticks out his hand, and she instinctively just put her hand in his and he began to talk about how everyone back in the village was infuriated and embarrassed that she was now following the great shepherd. Come back with us before we're all disgraced, before everyone is laughing at you. Well, as she sat there and listened to him and as he talked to her, she noticed that his grip became tighter and tighter on her hand. And she began to wonder if she could ever get loose from pride's grip. So she cries out to the good shepherd. The good shepherd comes, and he places his hand upon pride's shoulder, and pride shrinks to the ground and crawls away like an animal. Well, 
She turns and looks at the Savior, the Good Shepherd, and asks, why was his hand so powerful and so strong? And again, he told her, you listen to pride so long that the grip gets tighter and tighter. The shepherd reminded, much afraid, he was calling her away down her, to lay down her pride, to pick up the way of the high places, and she would be giving up of herself so she might find true love. Not long, and sorrow and suffering and much afraid had gone along the path, and they came to two great rock walls, one on the right and one on the left. And they went into them, and as they turned the corner, there they saw a detour through the desert. Nothing could be seen through this hot desert, through this hot furnace. Just, just beyond their good vision, they thought they might be able to see a pyramid. Well, much afraid, burst into tears, and she goes, I'm not going there. Don't you understand? I agreed to go to the high places. I I didn't agree to go through the desert. I didn't agree to go into that hot, dry wilderness place. After a fit of rebellion, she called again for the great shepherd. He came at once. He explains, this is the way everyone takes if you want to go to the high places. If she didn't descend into the wilderness, she could not make the journey into the high places and ascend to the great tops. It was there on that altar that she built, or excuse me, it was there that she built her first altar. And she laid down her rebellious pride on that altar And it was burned up almost immediately. And she took a little rock from the altar and she put it into her bag to remember the place where she laid down her rebellious will. Eventually they came to a pyramid. Inside the pyramid there were people threshing wheat. The shepherd explained, you see, This is the way Abraham came. This is the way Jacob came. This is the way Joseph came. And you're following the same path, the same journey. And then he shared with her a scripture in Isaiah chapter 28. He explained that the Lord molds us and makes us. Grain for the bread is so easily crushed So he doesn't keep on pounding it. He threshes it under the wheel of a cart, but he does not pulverize it. The Lord of heaven's host is a wonderful teacher, and he gives the farmer great wisdom. You see, God knows just how much change we need. He knows that we need to be changed, but not completely crushed and pulverized. 
He's explaining to her that she's going to have to go through tough times and she's going to have to be changed. But God knows just what she can take and he won't crush her too much. He won't pulverize her, but make her into the kind of wheat that can be used for the best bread. One day while working in the pyramid, she walks down, much afraid, into a deep part of the pyramid. It's dark there, and all that really is down there are some pipes, and there's over in the corner a a tank of water. And there, on the ground, on the stone hard ground, there is this little yellow flower. It is so beautiful. It is outstretched as far as it could go. And just a little beam of light that's coming through the pyramid, a crack in the wall. And she stands there and thinks, how did this seed ever get there? Because no seed would be chosen to be planted in a deep, almost dungeon-like place. And all that was given to it was to this flower was, was a couple of drops of water each day that leaked out of the tank and provided that flower with just enough water to live. And there was just enough sunshine to make it grow. But for the small amount of time that that flower had in the sunshine, it grew and it reflected the glory of God the best it could. She walked over and was admiring the flower, and it appeared that the flower could talk, and she asked the flower, who are you? I've never seen a flower like you. And the flower answers back, I'm acceptance with joy. I never wanted to be put here. I never wanted to be in the dungeon. I never wanted only to have a drop of water every day. I, I never wanted just to have a little bit of time in the light. But this is where I am, and because this is where I am, I am going to glorify God to the best of my ability. And my name is acceptance with joy. For days, Much Afraid moved through the desert and learned from its long, hot journey till one day the desert ended and it opened up into a vast area of a great sea to the shores of loneliness. But along the shores of loneliness, it was not too bad. And the shores of loneliness were much easier to walk than through the furnaces of the desert. One day, she woke up early as she was walking, as they were journeying alongside this shore of loneliness. 
She woke up early and, and she found that sorrow and suffering were asleep. So she thought she would just for a moment just take a little walk by herself. You know, it had been a while since she enjoyed a little privacy. So she starts walking a, a little path that she saw. It was so nice in the sunshine. But before she knew it, she was far away from her companions. She was feeling that she was very confident in herself. The feeling of warm sun and thinking that, that now she had these feet that were crippled, but they weren't as bad as they used to be. And there weren't so many people to look at her, her, her face anymore and her disfigured mouth or listen to her slurred speech. And she began to feel like everything was all right and, and she began to feel confidence in herself. That's when pride popped over the side of a rock. And he yelled out at her, where are you now, you little fool? Up on the high places. I think not, not much. Everyone knows in the Valley of Humiliation about this and is laughing at you, seeking your heart's desire, eh? He will abandon you. And then out from behind a tree steps resentment. You know, much afraid, you act like a blind idiot. Who is this shepherd you are following? What sort of person is he to make demands on you? He will take everything from you and give nothing in return. All you will receive is sorrow and suffering, ridicule and shame. Then running up the path, angry as always, was bitterness. The more you yield to him, the more he'll demand of you. He's cruel to you and takes advantage of your devotion. All he has demanded from you so far is nothing compared to what he will be demanding if you persist in following him. He has let his followers go into concentration camps and torture chambers and die in all types of hideous places. And then, from the shadows, from those dark shadows, just almost beyond our vision, steps out self-pity with the poor, pathetic voice. It's too bad, you know. You really are so devoted, and you really have refused him nothing, absolutely nothing. Yet this is the cruel way in which he treats you? Can you really believe that he acts towards you like this, that he loves you and has your real good at heart? How can that be possible? You have every right to feel sorry for yourself. He dreams up new ways to crush you. And it was that word that was self-pity's mistake. At that, she remembered the scripture of not being crushed too much, not being pulverized. And that reminded her that she had someone to call upon, and she calls upon the great shepherd. And of course, 
He comes in a moment's notice. They all drop to the ground and scurry away, except for pride, of course, which he grabs hold of and throws over the sea wall. Much afraid, then ask why they were so overpowering. Why did they all four come at me at once? And the shepherd asked, where are your companions suffering and sorrow? What path are you on right now? Are you on my path or are you on your path? Why are you not on the path that I laid out before you? Did you take your eyes, much afraid, did you take your eyes off of the high places for a few moments and forget about where you were going? Did you grow content in your own self-assurance? All these things, she said, gives pride and resentment and bitterness and self-pity strength. Find my path again. Take the hands of your guides, suffering and sorrow, and let them lead you again into the high places. Soon she did just that, and they were on the path traveling again. Much afraid, bent over at that point, and she picked up a rock to remember when she had become self-reliant. And she slipped the stone inside her purse, inside her bag, to remember that place so she would not become self-reliant again. Well, that's all the story I have, David. I'm already almost out of time. We'll start back up there next week, but I wanted to talk just for a few minutes about this far, this much of the journey and how it relates to us. We've all lived in the Valley of Humiliation and the Village of Much Trembling. Sometimes we become so focused on our imperfections that we can't see the beautiful life that Christ is calling us to, right? Our fears keep us from taking the journey that we're called to. Paul told Timothy, Who saved us and called us to holy calling? Not because of your works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages begin. This morning, do you hear the call for the journey, for the walk of faith? Cowardice and fear are always ready to put a hand over your confessions and over your prayers. Satan loves cowardice and fear. With it, he keeps us from calling out for help, confessing him as the shepherd of our lives. Did you know that calling on the name of God is one of the most ancient spiritual practices there are? It keeps the heavy hand of cowardice off of our mouths. It started in Genesis 4 and 26, calling on the name of the Lord. 
Abraham did it, Isaac did it, Elijah did it, David did it, Isaiah did it, Zephaniah did it, Jesus did it, and Paul commissions us to call on the name of the Lord. I want to encourage you over the next week when cowardice slips the hand over your mouth to practice just that. Stop and call on the name of the Lord. Now, I don't want to get you fired at work, so maybe you probably shouldn't shout it out out loud in the middle of the hall while you're walking down the hall having these thoughts, but mentally, prayerfully, and see if the great shepherd doesn't come to your aid. You can't make the journey if you don't start. One of the hardest things in the world for Much Afraid was simply to start the journey. She listens to the fearlings so much that she couldn't get on with her journey. Some of you are listening to fear of what might be or what might happen to such an extent that you can't carry on with your journey of faith. Let's just stop right there for just a second and let's just pray. Heavenly Lord, help us to continue on our journey of faith. Help us, Lord, just to start. If we've stopped, just to start again. If we've never done it, just to start right now. Lord, some of our faith is based upon our parents and what they did, what they are doing. We never really have started our own journey. Help us to start today. Help us to start moving along that journey of faith. In your holy name, amen. Well, I want to encourage you not to be afraid of sorrow and suffering. Sorrow and suffering are some of the best guides there are. Can I tell you where the most risk adverse, pain-fearing, and anxious society and culture that has ever lived right now in the United States today. Yet Isaiah tells us that Jesus Christ is a man who is associated and acquainted with what? Suffering and sorrow. We're going to have to get acquainted with it and embrace it, and learn to use it to mature us. Paul tells us in his weakest moments he was made strong. Church, the pain has a way of drawing us closer to God. In suffering, we're most dependent upon the great shepherd. Amen? Over and over in the story, Much Afraid fears the pain of, lo- of the pain of loving and not being loved back. But that's human, that's fleshly love. Unconditional love is a love that loves simply because it desires to love and to accept. Part of that is sorrow and suffering. So here it is, church. If you don't hear a bunch of the things that I say today, hear this. 
The real ter- truth, church, is that if you're going to love unconditionally, you're going to have to make yourself vulnerable. You didn't say amen to that, so let me repeat it again. Here's a real truth, church. If you're going to love unconditionally, you're going to have to make yourself vulnerable. Pride is so incredibly persuasive, isn't it? I know with me it is. I don't have a problem with pride getting in my way in my spiritual walk with God per se. It's not that I'm thinking I'm better than anyone, but I get this idea that I'm as good and should be as valued as much as anyone. Well, I guess there it is. I do have a pride problem with pride, don't I? Truth is, I don't need to think less of myself. I just need to think less about myself and more of others, right? Trying times build character. With be the detours through the deserts and the pounding and the crushing, or if it be along the walks of loneliness, Sometimes that builds our character. It builds our reliance upon God. Because when we become self-reliant in those times, bitterness and pride and resentment come rushing at us, right? So for the next week, try living in the high places. Try calling upon the name of the Lord. Try not to let Satan's, Satan's friends, bitterness, envy, resentment, self-pity, cowardice, try not to let them work on you. And if they start to work on you, don't hesitate to call on the name of the Lord to get involved. Live in those high places. This morning, if you're not on that journey of life, of being called to the high places, of trying to move forward in your journey's faith. Won't you do that? We're going to sing a song. Jacob will lead it. And if you need to recommit your life's journey to faith, or if you need to start, we're here for you. We'll help you. Jacob. Let's all stand, please. We're talking about faith's journey today. Uh, We're going to continue on talking about uh, Hannah Hernard's uh, book called Hind's Feet in High Places. It's really a story about life's journey. And it's not just hers, it's all of ours. And I hope as I preach this that you can find yourself in this journey of faith. It's a story about building a mature faith, and it's a story about the enemies of faith. It all revolves around uh, Habakkuk 3.19. He says, The Lord God is my strength, and he makes my feet like hinds feet, and he will make me walk upon my hind places. This is a modern parable of faith that revolves around uh, this scripture. The story of everyone's life. It's about hinds feet. Hinds feet are, are, are those 
uh, feet of a, uh, of a mountain goat or a deer that are perfectly positioned to run along the high places and run with abandonment to those places that no one else can reach. Uh, the, uh, the author of James says, Count it all joy, my brethren, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. It's about reaching new heights in spite of our challenging circumstances that we live through in life. Now, the story is set, and I, I have to give you some of the characters, especially if you weren't here last week. Uh, some of the characters, and you can find this on your handout on the front page, the first, our antagonist, the, the main character of our story, is Much Afraid. Much Afraid has a, a, a twisted mouth. She had disfigured and crippled feet. And she's uh, completely aware, self-aware of her inadequacies. And, and she has a lot of trouble because of her inadequacies that she sees and, and, and internalizes constantly. And, and one of the... the main parts of the story is that one day all of her relatives come to her and explain to her that she's going to have to marry Fear Craven. We'll get to hear him in, a, in just a minute. But she doesn't want to marry him. So she goes to the great shepherd and she tells the great shepherd of her dilemma that the whole town wants her to be married to craven fear. And she, she just can't accept that. She doesn't want to live a life with craven fear. She wants to live a life with the great shepherd. The great shepherd loves that she wants to live in the high places with her. And so he sets out on a journey with her. She was raised by her aunt. Mrs. Dismal Forebodings, who is a fatalist. The daughter of, of Miss Forebodings is Cousin Gloomy. She's a pessimist. But she's better than her sister, Spiteful, who's mean-spirited and, well, quite honestly, if anything goes wrong, it's everybody else's fault. And then uh, there's the favorite in the town, Craven Fear Jr., you can see why you wouldn't want to marry him. Worst of all, he's a bully, and he torments and persecutes much afraid. Then there's pride. Yes, good-looking, narcissistic, but incredibly persuasive, right? There's coward fearling. By the way, everybody in the town is a fearling. There's coward fearling. He has no abilities at all except to stop acts of nobility. Then there's misresentment and her lack of initiative. She's always living in the past. And David, we have Mr. Bitterness. He has a victim mentality and he constantly lives in conflict with other people around him. Then there's self-pity. He's the liar. He steals people's potential. Well, last week we went through the detour through the desert. Uh, here we learned about the flower of joy with acceptance. Um, and we met, remember here uh, that we met uh, the two companions that travel with Much Afraid. And they are? Sorrow and suffering. Sorrow and suffering. 
And they are the two companions that are best to get her along this journey of faith. We walked along the shores of loneliness where uh, she made the mistake of thinking that she was self-sufficient. And when we start thinking that we're self-sufficient and on, we're moving across, back across the desert. And as she moved back across the desert, that was okay because it was going to the high places. It was back where she wanted to go. But along the path that back through the desert, the path turned to the north. That upset her greatly. She then walked away what seemed like she was walking away from the high country. They led the path and it went on and on until it came to the great sea wall. No, she looked at the great sea wall. No, no, the sea wall goes away from the high places. I can't even see the end of who knows where it goes. She calls to the good shepherd and he was instantly there. The good shepherd explained, your ways are not my ways. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. Much afraid, you're going to have to lay down your complete self-will. She bowed her little head and she built an altar. And there, there at that place, she sacrificed her own self-will. She noticed, though, that as her self-will burned up, she bent over and was praying. And she noticed that that little seed, that seed of love that the good shepherd had planted in her chest when she first started the journey had begun to grow and begun to swell up. And she noticed then that there really, her heart, there wasn't enough room for two types of love. She began to think to herself, maybe my love has to go. They crossed the great sea wall, and just as she got across the great sea wall, she stopped. She picked up a rock to remember that his ways were not her ways. And so she put a rock in her bag to remember this by. Everything was going well. Traveling was easy for quite a while. It seemed like her enemies were non-existent. She hadn't heard from pride or resentment or self-pity. And, and craven fear was nowhere to be found. That was until they got to the great precipice. You should be on the back page by now if you're wondering where we're at. Traveling up to this great precipice, they stopped. The path ended sharply into a great rock precipice. It stood hundreds of feet high. How could any person, much less a cripple, scale this rock wall? Just as she had that thought, a stag and a doe jumped up onto a small little ledge and then on to another, and then Jack on to another. And then they made this incredible leap of about 10 feet from one little edge to another, back and forth across the great wall until 
they were to the top. It was there at that moment that much afraid dropped to her knees and began sobbing. How could she ever make it across this crippled little girl like herself? How could she ever climb those ledges and make those impossible leaps from ledge to ledge? Unexpectedly, there was Coward Fearling just a few feet away from her. He turned and he looked at her. Yes, I really thought that we would come together again at last. Did you really believe, you poor little fool, that you could escape from me altogether? No, no, you're a fearling. There's no way that those crippled little feet can make, it, make that climb. You trembling little idiot, you belong to me. I'll take you back safely where you can spend your life with craven fear. It was there at that moment that much afraid should have called upon the name of the Lord. But she didn't because she was afraid that God would force her to climb that rock. That's when suffering pulled out a sharp little knife, David, and reached around sorrow and poked her in the shoulder with it. She cried out instantly, God, save me. Shepherd, save me. And of course, he came. Suffering then grinned a little celebratory grin over at sorrow. Much afraid, turned to find coward fearling gone. He'd ran off just as fast as he had come. The great shepherd, she was afraid, would scold her for, for being cowardice, for not trying for being afraid to call on her. But instead, she found that the great shepherd looked at her, smiled, and encouraged her. He said, I will never give you more than you can bear. After that, she pulled herself together. As the great shepherd tied sorrow to much afraid and, and then suffering. And they started their way up the side of the precipice. She found the path to be much wider than it appeared from below. And where the stag and doe had jumped, she found rope railings and footholds to put her feet. The rock was not as impossible to climb as it had looked from below. As a matter of fact, it was much easier climbing than she had ever imagined. There, halfway up the rock, she found a beautiful flower growing out of the granite stone. It was a little flower on the stone wall. It was reaching out to the sun, glowing and being a glorifying presence for the great shepherd. She crawled over to it and she asked it its name. She said, bearing the cost. Some call me forgiveness. You see, as a seedling, I, I was dropped here by a cruel raven as a joke. But as I live here in this barren place, I find it's just where I need to be. It's just where I can focus on glorifying God. It was there at that place that much afraid then took another rock and placed it in her bag. 
to remember. Finally at the top, the great shepherd was there smiling at Much Afraid's accomplishments. She told him of how it was much easier than she had ever imagined with all those rope railings and all those footholds that she couldn't see from below. Set your mind on the realities of the high places where I sit at the right hand of the great king. Think about the high places, not about the difficult things of the journey. You are leaving the old ways of cowardly. Your life is now with me. Then he explained to her uh, that life in general and great precipices were usually worse if replayed over and over in the back of our mind than they were in reality. There she built a little altar and sacrificed her cowardly thinking, picking up another stone and putting it back into her purse. Soon, much afraid and sorrow and suffering were on their way again. To the top of the precipice, they found meadows. On the top of the precipice, they found meadows and rolling hills. And it was like this for days. The traveling was easy. At first, they found it completely pleasant. And then they found the forest. And they started walking through the forest. The, e the walk was easy there also until the fog started to set in. The fog became so thick that much afraid could not see past her companions' sorrow and suffering. It certainly could not see the high places and the peaks of the high places. The more they walked, the more it seemed that the mist crowded in around them. For days they walked in the fog. Much afraid knew that she was on the right path, but she wondered if the fog would ever clear and would the path ever turn upward to the high places. That's when in the distance she could hear Cousin Gloomy speaking to her. This is going on forever, much afraid, said Cousin Gloomy. I think you're walking around and around in the high places. I don't think you'll ever see the sun again. Every day, just like another day, Gloomy said. You might as well give up and go home, back to the village and the valley of humiliation. As soon as Cousin Gloomy stopped, then resentment stepped in and started in on Much Afraid. She was much more severe than Cousin Gloomy. She seemed almost angry. She ranted on about how everything was unfair and how nothing on this journey was going right and nothing was to her advantage. Everything was so unfair. You're being taken advantage of, much afraid. Resentment kept on. The path of the shepherd has you on this awful, leading you to nowhere. Let's just give up and go back to the valley of humiliation and you can marry craven fear. As the thought of being married to craven fear came into her mind, she instinctively called out for the good shepherd. But unlike most times, he didn't just instantly appear. Through this fog, though, she could hear him off in the distance singing a song. At first she didn't recognize it, but then it came clear and she joined in. 
It's verse, if the skies above you are gray and you are feeling so blue, if your cares and burdens seem great all the whole day through, there's a little shining light that shines in the heavenly land. Look by faith and see it, my friend. Trust in his promises, grand. She realized that the more she sang, the less she heard of resentment and cousin gloomy. There upon the path, as she sang out loud, she could hardly hear them as they tried to discourage her. Before she knew it, the fog had begun to clear. The walking now was easy. Sorrow and suffering joined in the praise, and they walked on for many days, happy to be in each other's companionship along the way. Then one morning, much afraid, off in the distance, heard a little roll of thunder. Louder and louder the thunder got, until the lightning was all around them, and the trees were falling from the wind, and the, the rain was so strong that it was, it was pulling the hair of much afraid, much, uh, much afraid right over her face, and she couldn't even see where to walk. Much afraid stayed calm, though, and started thinking to herself, if I were back in the Valley of Humiliation, craven fear would be diving under a table right now. Resentment would be telling people she didn't deserve this foul weather. And ant forebodings would be telling everyone that this was the end of the world. But little much afraid didn't let the storm unsettle her. And just as she started thinking about how magnificent the power of the storm was... The trail turned to a little cabin on a very large rock outcropping. Inside the cabin, there was food, water, and clothing. And even though the storm raged outside, they stayed calm. Even it wasn't that the storm wasn't raging, that the lightning wasn't striking the ground. It wasn't that the, the water was hitting against the side of the cabin. It wasn't that that there was total chaos outside. It was that she knew she was on the path of the great shepherd. She knew she was in the cabin of the great shepherd. The next day was beautiful. They walked through the forest until they came to the edge and then much afraid began trembling. Sorrow and suffering turned and they looked at each other in unbelief. There before them was the impossible precipice. It was not that the precipice was high. It was so high, David, that it reached into the clouds. It was not that it looked like the ledges were small and hard to climb. There were no ledges. It wasn't that there weren't any, any little places to put her foot. She could see everything. There was nothing to lay her hand or foot on. It was perfectly flat, perfectly smooth, and it was miles high. It was an impossible precipice. Much afraid was stunned. All this traveling, all this effort, all this trusting in the great shepherd, and I had the stone wall miles high in front of me, impossible to climb, and she closed her eyes in bewilderment. When she opened her eyes, there were all her cousins running at her up the trail. First, craven fear in the lead, followed by self-pity, resentment, spiteful, and bitterness. 
much afraid, whispered, Lord, save me. At that call, she heard the great shepherd yell, much afraid, do you trust me? Yes, much afraid, it said. Then stand firm, yelled the shepherd. Stand firm, she asked. Yes, stand firm, he answered. All your cousins are almost, all her cousins were almost there. They looked if they were just about to reach her. The shepherd cried out again, fear not. Stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the enemies whom you see today, whom shall you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You only have to be silent and stand firm. Then, as if she were light as a feather, the great shepherd picked her up and set her in suffering and sorrow in what looked to be a ski lift chair. And they rose up and up and up alongside the impossible precipice, climbing ever higher. Craven fear and spite grabbed a few rocks and they threw them as far as they could throw them, but they didn't even come close to reaching them. Finally, out of reach. They rised above the precipice, high into the high places, above some of the peaks of the high places. And as fast as the shepherd put them on the lift, he took them off. Welcome to the high places, he said. They were all relieved and a little overwhelmed with the trip, to be honest. Not wanting to forget this moment of deep abiding trust, she reached down and picked up a rock and she placed it in her bag. The shepherd then explained that the next part of the trip, much afraid, would have to take alone without sorrow and suffering. She turned and she realized she was in a graveyard on the mountain. There, where they had gotten off, the graveyard had many tombs. There was a small crypt in the back of the graveyard with one burning little light. She walked in, and there was the great shepherd standing in royal robes and a crown. She looked at him and saw the altar in the middle, and she said, This is where I take my love out so your, yours can grow. And he said, Yes, much afraid, that is correct. She laid herself down on the altar. And she reached in and wrapped her hands around her love to pull it out. And she pulled and she pulled, but she could not move it at all. And then, with a humble little voice, she asked the great shepherd, Can you help me? And with one painful, mighty pull, it was done, and she fainted. When much afraid woke, she was outside with the great shepherd. He pointed to a pool of healing. She stepped in, and her imperfections were made perfect. Her feet were straight, and her mouth was perfectly smooth. After she had stepped out and dried off, the great shepherd asked for much afraid's bag with all the stones of remembrance. He stuck his hand in, 
And he started pulling out to her amazement, not the ugly rocks, not those stones that, that she had put in the bag, but now, now they were jewels. Now they shone and glistened. They were bright. They were beautiful. He explained to her that she was laying up treasures throughout her life for the whole time. Then he took the stones and he grabbed them and laid them into a, to a gold band, pressing them harder and harder until they became a place in what was her crown. He explained to her that, that in the high places, we are all daughters and sons of the great king. And because we are daughters and sons of the great king, we are prince and princesses, friends of the high shepherd. I'm not going to cry, so I'm just going to leave it there. If you're under the age of 10, I'd like you to come and get a jewel off the stage. You can take whichever one you want. And hopefully, or you can take a couple if you'd like. Macy had her eye on that crown the whole time. Well, we'll say they are today, but you may need to ask mom and dad about that. Take one. Hi, sweet girl. There you go. All right, you guys can go sit down now. Parents, keep that beside their beds. Put that on the refrigerator. Keep it where you can remind them constantly about the story of faith. Well, our story ends with the great rescue. Much Afraid was given a new name. Her new name was Grace and Glory. There she had her new companions, or her companions, and they lived for uh, many months there in the high places. And then one day, while they were in the high places, she was walking with the great shepherd, and she came to the edge of a cliff, and it looked over a great valley. And as she stared down, she saw people going to and fro in the great valley. She thought to herself how lonely they looked, how desperate they looked, and then she realized she was looking down into the valley of humiliation. She was looking at where she had come from. She looked over at the shepherd and didn't even say, can we? She just had the thought. And they both went leaping down into the valley of humiliation to ask those there if they would take the same journey, the same path with her, she wanted to let everyone know that they could live in the high places and have high hinds feet. And they could go and bound and live a life, a life of the full. 
I hope you have enough biblical background to see all the scripture interwoven into the story. This afternoon and this evening, we'll be in small groups and we'll be talking about these points and we'll be talking about the enemies of faith and we'll be talking about the trials of life with each other. I want to encourage you to take part of that in a small group. If you're not part of a small group, then, then see me, see Lance, uh, see any of our elders. They would be thrilled if you became part of a small group to talk about this journey of life. If in your journey of life you have not submitted to the great shepherd, won't you make that submitment? Won't you lay across that altar and let the human love be pulled out so that God, that God-conditioned love, God-born love might flourish in your heart and in your life? Let's pray and the sermon will be yours. God, we are all on a journey of faith. We're putting our faith, our hope, our trust in you. God, there are times that we come up to walls that we don't even know how we're going to get across. We don't know how we'll make it up. We don't know how we'll make it through. But we put our trust in you wholeheartedly because we know that you have our best interest at heart. Dear Lord, we ask that you bless everyone in this church, that they might know you better. In Jesus' name, amen. If